Good morning, heart and soul. Thank you, Ron. It's beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Grounding us beautifully. Uh, often, when I have a day off from the pulpit, I like to spend it at home. And I'll watch and I'll tap in. But it's nice to, to be away and have a full break. And today, I actually, coming upon today, I actually thought I would stay home and just partake on YouTube, which is how I like to do it when I'm home. But I realized that my dear, beloved sister friend, Reverend Karen Fry, um, who just, when I knew she was going to be in town, I asked her if she would speak, and I knew there was a possibility that she would say no because there were plans in place for her time here. And yet she said yes. The celebration began. And I realized that although I could stay home, I would miss this opportunity to tell you how much she means to me. And I decided I didn't want to miss that. And so an interesting thing, it's always, sometimes interesting when you know people and you read their bio and you kind of chuckle along the way because her bio says that she is the CEO, spiritual leader, owner of Spirit Tours, a limited liability corporation. And it says that Spirit Tours leads sacred guided tours for groups of people to wor world destinations. Spirit Tours focuses on spiritual experiences, connections, and being a positive force for good while traveling. And I'm sure in your mind, Karen, that that's true. In my mind, what I know about Spirit Tours is that Karen Fry develop, designs, develops, and implements, executes these beautiful tours where she literally is the focused spiritual experience that she ensures that there are connections and that she ensures that this opportunity, this experience is a positive force for good for the travelers. And I know firsthand because I traveled with her last year to Bali and my travel with her was not just as a tour member. We were literally roommates for two weeks. Now, if you know me, you know that's saying something. We just, there ought to be like a halo around Karen. Because I'm not sure, I'm not sure everybody's roommate, girl. And so this was another level to our relationship. I've always considered Karen a good friend someone that I could count on and who has the highest integrity. So I know that even though it may start out a little rough, there's a point in time when Karen's going to say, you know what, we can't do it this way. It's going to have to be the straight up way. And I can always count on that. And Karen, I want you to know I love that about you. Because what it means for me is that I trust you entirely, which is how we could end up roommates in the world. So um, look, what she, I actually met Karen when she was a lay leader at Oakland Center for Spiritual Living. And so from there, practitioner, and then she moved into ministerial school, and I was one of her instructors at that time. And I think that's where I really got a good sense of this divine energetic that is Karen Fry. And so over the years, many, many years, we have just bonded incrementally. She has a passion. What brings her here today? Not just our friendship, our sisterhood, but that she has a passion and an enthusiasm that is infectious. And I love that. 
I love being in her, her energy. She's committed to teaching science of mind and living an abundant life. I told her yesterday, Karen, you are rich. And I'm not talking about the money and whatever financial resources. She lives her life in a way that she don't even care what the limits are supposed to be. And I love that about Karen Fry. She loves to invite us all to go for our highest potential, to move from any sense of limitation to limitlessness. And she often incorporates extreme spirituality for transformation, such as walking on fire and breaking boards with your hand. She's a certified firewalker instructor. Gets on my nerves with that sometimes. And she's always on fire with her faith in the power of prayer. I love this about her. She considers herself now to be, for good reason, to be a global citizen, and she lives the life of her dreams, pursuing her love for international travel and wildlife photography. Can I take a moment and just tell y'all that when, when she, I had agreed that, you know, I would go to Bali with her and we'd be roomies, and then she called me and she said, you know, I want to go see the, what are the, the dragons? Komodo dragons, and they'll only take, the smallest group they'll take is a team of, of two people, and so, and I said, Karen, I'll go. Now, I knew I wasn't going, and I can see your faces. Some of you are like, you said, what? I knew I wasn't going when I said it, but I knew I was not going to stand in the way of her not going. So I said, yes, she told me how much money it would cost and what to send. I sent it knowing I had no intentions of going to see no kimono dragons. <laughs> So when the time came, she was like, so um, Karen, I'm not going. And she said, what? But you, I said, I knew I wasn't going then. But I want you to go because it's her dream to crawl on her belly with her long lens camera and get the photo. She brought, me, she brought back photos. And she was so excited that I just tried to feign a similar excitement around the Kimoto dragons. But here's the thing. I love Karen. And so I love supporting and encouraging her vision for her life. I love you, Karen. And I'm grateful to, while y'all have met Karen in this community, but only virtually. I think she's spoken for us twice, but both times they were virtual. This time, you get the up-close, in-person, Reverend Karen Fry. So after our musical inspiration with our favorite, Valerie Joy... The next voice you hear will be my beloved, not good friend, but great friend, Reverend Karen Fry. Good morning. Welcome, Reverend Karen Fry, Dr. Reverend Doctor. Okay, so you all haven't heard this track before but uh, we're just going to bump it. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, uh. Seems like we're fighting every day to be a certain way. Wanting to be free, but we can't say no. To the ways of the world 
we gotta free our minds. Now is the time I choose to be possibility. Choose to be free, choose to fly. I choose to see possibility. Choose to be free, hey, choose to fly. Ooh, I gotta get loose. And then we're fighting every day to be a certain way. Wanting to be free, but we can't say yes. Our true identity beckons to be free. We gotta let it flow, then you'll truly know. Yeah, it choose to be, yeah, authenticity. Go ahead and clap. Choose to be free. Possibility Choose to be free Hey Choose to fly Hey Choose to Fly Yeah, I got that Go ahead and sing it Sing it, sing it, sing it Choose to just have to say, if you're going to choose to fly, one of the most important things we have to do is face our fears. Got to face the fears, you got to play by the rules. What are your rules? I'll tell you some of my rules. Authenticity, freedom, possibility, trust, faith. Come on, you know what I'm saying? Choose to fly. Choose to fly. Choose. We need it. Right now, in these times, we need it, yes? Yes. Choose to fly. Learning how to deal with Watch my thoughts. Come on now. 
Y'all choose to fly? Mm, yes, yes. Okay, she made me cry. Mm. Well, good morning. Okay, so I want to let you know before I say anything else that this tends to happen when people meet me, they go, oh, Karen can do that, but I can't. I'm just saying. I want everybody to know that I started exactly where you are. I started in 2007 walking in to a CSL community in Oakland. As Dr. Andriette said, Oakland Center for Spiritual Living, knowing nothing, no thing about science of mind, Ernest Holmes, religious science, nothing, nothing, nothing. But literally, two weeks prior to that, this will make sense later, I had a what that said I'm going to, my what was I was going to find a spiritual community because I had left the Episcopal Church, did not go into seminary because I didn't believe everything that I would preach. So I had to leave. It was good. But I couldn't be in integrity. And I was wandering and I said, I'm going to find a spiritual community. And on January 14th, 2007, I met a guy that told me about this place called Oakland. Well, it was called First Church of Religious Science, Oakland back then. And I said, I ain't doing Scientology. This is the really thing. You know, and he's like, no, you got to go. And I said, what? And he said, you got to go tomorrow with me. And I said, what? He said, you got to go tomorrow. John Neese. I went. And when I walked through the doors, the voice inside my head very clearly said, this is it. Stop wondering, get busy. And I was in foundations class two days later. Anything I do, anyone can. I want to make this very clear. Don't let some silly roommate tell you differently. <laughs> now we're going to get busy. Good morning. It's a good day to be alive, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That's good. But actually, it's not. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly here with my first slide. And um, because I didn't come to talk about your good. I didn't. I came here to invite you into your great. And I know now there's a big difference. And it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter where you've come from, what's happened up until now. Um, it just, nothing matters. And I personally want each and every person that ever hears this, I want you to go for your great. Because the truth is, there's nothing like it. But I didn't know that till I got to my great. All right? So here's the first thing I'd like for you to do. I want you to, right now, think about your adult life. 
Just think about your adult life and choose a time frame. So we're not going back to childhood. Choose a time frame, major events, decisions, the sort of arc of your life, the flow of your life. Maybe it's the past 10 years. This is since you've been really causal in your life, whether you knew it or not. Pick that time frame. Maybe it's the past 10 years. That might be easier. And right now, when you think about this, I want you to rank it. One being fair. Ten being good. That's good. And 20 being great. And no one's going to know about this. I'm not going to ask you to say it. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. But I want you to be really honest with yourself. Where do you land on the scale? And the next question is, is that okay with you? And if it is, that's great. The next question is, if it's not okay with you, do you want to remain here for the next 10 years? Do you want to remain here for the next 10 years? All right, good. That's the question. Is your life good? Is it good enough? Here's the thing. Good is comfortable. And, and we human creatures like comfort. We don't like change, do we? Or is it just me? <laughs> right? And it's really okay if you want to settle for a good life. That's okay. You're a choice. You're causal. And keep the good flowing, right? There's nothing wrong with it. But I am living testimony of how great living a great life is. And I have to tell you, there are times where I have to expand my receivership and my ability to go, really, can I really accept, experience this great life that I'm having right now? And I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm not ashamed to say it because it's the principles and the practices which taint easy every day of science of mind. That's got me here. Almost 20 years now. Can't believe that. Thank you, God, John Neese. He left the community two weeks after I arrived. Everybody said John Neese was just there to bring Karen Fry. You got to be someone's John Neese's. That's just a side note. If you ain't talking about this, mm. if he hadn't told me, I wouldn't be standing here today. Some will, some won't, so what? Tell them about this. Anyway, that's another talk. I easily, and I mean easily, could have missed the life I'm living right now. All right, there's this great book. You've probably heard about it. It's called Good to Great. A lot of people have read it. 
Jim Collins, a lot of business people have read this. There's a quote that I want you to know about from this book, and it says, good is the enemy of great. And that is one of the key reasons why we have so little that becomes great. We don't have great schools, principally because we have good schools. And he goes on and talks about government and stuff like that. And he says, few people attain great lives in large part because it's just so easy to settle for a good life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there have been a few significant moments in my life where I deliberately, causally decided that I was going to go for a great life because where I was at the time didn't feel great, much less sometimes good. I was in this sales career for 23 years. Ooh, it was good. And I was good at it. And I was very successful. And I primarily played in the pharmaceutical, medical, medical device arena, okay? I lived here for 16 years. I know a lot of people here. And I went in, I just, you know, I started with billion-dollar companies, and then they become $100 million companies, and it was good, but I wanted great, so I just kept moving. About every two years, I just changed companies. And I remember they just got smaller and smaller. When I went from the General Electric to a $100 million company, my mom said, why? That's not stable. Then I went down and like under a $2 million company, we're talking startups, and I landed in a startup here in Berkeley, uh, California. It's a medical device company. When I walked in, I was number seven employee. I was way overqualified, but I wanted to be their vice president of sales, so I said I'd come on in. That company in the five years that I was there went from $4 million to $21 million. Now, I didn't get my big payday. I just want y'all to know that. I still have stock certificates, God knows. But all things are possible as God. I just said that now. First realization. All right. So, but I, you know, I grew this business. And, and it was time for the VP of sales and marketing. We were big enough now. He was going to be the VP of marketing. And I was going to be, they brought in an outsider male Passed me over, and I resigned. And they went, oh, no, 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 no. I said, what do you want? I said, I told you I came here to be the vice president, to have a seat at the table, because they were still not profitable after $21 million. And, and I said, you know, so they made me a VP of emerging markets, and off I went. Now, this was during the time when I came into Science of Mind, and in 2008, y'all remember what that was? It was called a recession, okay? And, um, and I made more money selling a very expensive medical device when no one had budget anymore in 2008, so much they couldn't pay me what the comp plan said that I was, I was due. That was a great year. And I kept doing it. 
and I used the science of mind principles during this, and then it didn't feel good again. And I just, I was also feeling the call, by the way, to ministry. Um, and it didn't feel good, and so I resigned again. It was a new CEO that had moved up in the ranks, and he actually, I kid you not, said, I'm going to give you a blank check. Fill it in, don't go. When I said no, he said, I'm going to tell your partner that I'm giving you a blank check to fill in. And I said, go ahead. (laughs) And I went into ministerial school in October of 2010, full-time, didn't work, for three and a half years. Now, I'm sharing this because Over here was a 23-year highly, my resume was great, successful career. I felt something inside of me, and it was good doing this, but there was something pulling me here, right? And and I was like, I got to go. Now, I had money in my bank. I was living in the hills of Oakland, y'all. Many people have seen that house. Right, And I had a partner that was doing well, too. But this partner, she said, but you have to pay half the bills. Ooh, I did that for three and a half years. Not working. That was the only deal she gave me to not work. And I went into ministerial school. But I want you to know I had zero guarantee I'd be good at it. Right? I was scared to death. If y'all don't think I'm, I jump off bridges to get rid of my fear. Because I'm a kinesthetic person and I use it for things, you know. But anyway. But I didn't have any guarantee. But I put literally all my chips on the table. Now, I could have maybe gone back in that sales career and it was told, you know, if this don't work out, you're going to have to do that. And I thought, oh, I'm going to sit in front of somebody and I'm going to why would you go into ministerial school and blow your resume and blah, 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 blah. And I just, I put all the cards on the table. And I went for my great. And wouldn't you know it, I was in, y'all, a lot of y'all were there, I was at a Silomar in the meadow, did my panel. After all this, I became a licensed minister in August of 2013. I was so happy. It was so great. I'm like launching. And for two years, I had been flip-flopping like a fish on the bank. Going, hmm, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm a Reverend Joan Sedman, Dr. Joan Sedman's going to retire. I'm going to be the next senior minister there. Or I'm just going to start my own. And I went, OCSL, start my own. OCSL, start my own. That's another talk. The power of decision. OCSL and start your own. So I was flip-flopping on this great day. And I had a conversation. And someone Dr. Ken Gordon asked me a question that absolutely, I promise you, changed the ever-loving trajectory of my life for good. And this is the question he asked me that I came to tell you. It's a big key. We'll get to that in a minute. Because... Stephen Pressfield, in another great book, I'd put this above good to great, I'm just telling you. I just saw it at the top of her pile. It's called The War of Art. Get that book and read it. It says, most of us have two lives, the life we live and the unlived 
life within us. Mm. Y'all know that Simone Biles. She knows how to let go of the lower on the, un- the unparalleled bar, right? And go, right? So here's what I know. It may not be every one of you, but it's at least some of you. There's something stirring in your life, and it's not your belly grumbling. It's been stirring for a long time. It's been gnawing at you. You can feel it. You know it. You know that there's something more. That could be a relationship you're in. That could be a a job you're in. That could be a career you're in. That could be the city you're in. It, It just, you know, there's something gnawing at you. And it gnaws at you, and yet it's like, but this is good. This is good enough. And there's fear. But, right? Okay? There is fear, and it is real. But it won't let you go. So how do you start to unleash this? Well, many of you probably have heard of this dude named Simon Sinek. Okay. Yes. He... 8 million whatever views on YouTube from a TED Talk. And he's, Simon Sinek says you got to find your why. Right? you got to find your why. And that's great. That's not what did it for me. After almost 20 years of practicing the science of mind principles, I've discovered the major key. Along with all these principles, you don't get to let those go to manifest a great life. It's not a why. It's a what. What? What do you want? That is such an important question. What do you want? And when someone's asked that question, what do you want, and you get some semblance of an answer, I promise you this is where you're going to go next. How am I going to do that? How? And we each begin to focus on the how. And here's what I'm here to tell you. It is not the how. Leave it alone. Let it go. Don't focus on the how. There is a universal presence with infinite intelligence and much greater imagination than me. And oh my God, if I'm clear on my what, then the how is just going to come and I take the next step. And Oh, was that it? Oh, let go of the how because we get in the weeds and we blow the what. Okay, now, back to that important question that I was asked on my, one of my most excited days, and I was telling Dr. Ken about this flip-flopping, I got to OCSL or start a ministry, because goodness, this human being thought there were only two choices in the entire universe. He said... This is it. This is the golden nugget of all golden nuggets for my life and some of yours. If you let go of form, what 
do you want? <coughs> now, we sat there for 20 minutes. I couldn't let go any form. Well, well, it's got to be in Oakland. I got to keep my house. I got to keep my 11-year relationship. I damn sure got to keep my kitty cats. <laughs> I held on to form. Excuse the French. And I went into one of the darkest periods of my life after he asked me that question because I didn't let go of the answer, but it took me a month. A month. But I came out with my answer. I let go of form. He said, if you let go of form, what do you want? And I came out with the answer. And the answer was, I want to do ministry full-time and thrive while doing it. There's no form there, except for maybe full-time. I'd say half-time next time because half-time is full-time and full-time is double-time. And I learned that once I got into full-time ministry. It's a lot more than sales. I want to do ministry full-time and thrive while doing it. And I know that when I got clear and I took a stand for that and I didn't think about the how, I just stood on that what, I'm going to do ministry full-time and thrive while doing it. The trajectory of my life changed, and then this is what happened. On October 13th or 17th, I forget, but I had planned, I had decided I was going to do my own ministry in Mission District of San Francisco called The Open Door. I launched that ministry, right? I had planned, so I went to the city, and I rode the BART, and I asked a Baha'i faith, this short, I'm going to squeeze this. Uh, anyway, I said, I want to rent your space for a year. They said yes for the first time to someone from another faith. I met with their board. We signed the lease on this day. I was so excited. I'm starting my ministry. I'm going to do ministry full time and thrive while doing it. I thought I had it, and I rode that bark, and I was on that. I was talking to my 11-year partner. We were going to be married in two and a half months. Listen to this, two and a half months. And I was excited about that. And she was talking with me, and I was walking through the BART station. And I was walking out right before the turnstiles. Something in me said, stop. I was like, hmm. I stopped. I said, give me a minute. She said, what? I said, I don't know. Just hang on. And literally, I kid you not, in 15 seconds, there was an altercation starting over here. I didn't ever look. I just knew it. There was, I could tell by the voices. There were two white women getting on a black woman, BART station worker, and they were angry, and they were violent, and it started. And my partner could hear this, and I said, just give me a minute. And she said, don't be a hero. I hear that. And I said, you know what? I got to be love right here, right now. And she, she was so nervous, and the connection dropped. And then all I, all I did was stand and be boundless love. I heard these two women just continuing, and the human Karen said, I know there's a security guard coming because they're going to kill her. But I just stood there, and I kid you not, I heard one voice fall away, but the other woman was still raging on this a BART station worker, and I could tell, because I knew sort of where I was, that she had cornered her. You know how they have the little booths they have to work in? Small space. Had cornered her in there and was going. And the next thing I know, 
just like that, I heard this. It said, she said, that, the BART station worker said, that's the nicest thing I've ever heard in my life. And they started laughing, and they came out of that booth as best friends. That changed my life. Now, I tell that story a lot, but the second half I don't. So this is short. I went home. I knew something was going on. I started wailing. I was crying. I didn't know why. Why am I wailing? The answer inside of me was, your relationship just ended. I was as surprised as the next person because I was about to be married. But when I knew that I was the power of boundless love, that's who I am. I am that I am. That is who you are. That is who we are. That's who we came here to be, is to be that boundless love and nothing and no one can stand against it. I knew then that I could not stand in front of each of you and say, you can have it all, and I didn't believe it because I was settling in that relationship for 11 years. Okay? So, I ended that relationship with $7,000 in the bank. Going to start a new ministry in San Francisco? Thank you. I called someone in leadership like Dr. Angiette, who I knew and respected, and I said, I need some help with my resume. I got the sales part, but I need the minister part. It was Dr. Petra Weldis in Dallas, Texas. Little did I know that she was looking for a partner in ministry. She said, why? I said, because I just broke up with my partner of 11 years. I know I can't stay in this house. It's too expensive. We're going to have to sell it. Blah, 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 right? And next thing I know, she said, I've been looking for a partner in ministry. Will you come do ministry with me? Come. I did ministry full-time and thrived while doing it. And here, for these, these three pictures, um, we really were partners in ministry. So I got to speak. She shared the ministry. A year and a half later, we fell in love. We told our community. We got married in that community. One of my what's was I came here to find my soulmate. I found her. And during the pandemic, I got really, uh, we started traveling, which I didn't travel with that other person. She didn't like to. We love to travel. She's a nature girl. I mean, we're just, woo, she signed some mind. There was no division in my life. And I, during the pandemic, when I couldn't be around my peeps, I picked up a passion of mine from 16. I started my photography again and um, basically fell in love with wildlife photography again. So, here's the thing. I started living a great life. But we tend to limit our what? There's a tiger in the cage. We tend to limit our what? So when you get clear on this what, don't limit it. Ernest Holmes tells us, if you could realize the tremendous power of attraction that holds everything in its place, it is yours. It is yours. This gift. It is the divine birthright of every living soul, but we limit ourselves by thought of limitation. Now we must open up the doors of our consciousness and expand and expand and expand and no longer think in terms of our backyard lot, but in the terms of the infinite nature, in the terms of our universe. We must expand. And I know that letting go of form expands it, right? I want to do ministry full-time and th it expanded it. 
It expanded it beyond doing ministry. I found my soulmate in a beautiful community that gives me hope for humanity. It led me to great colleagues. I mean, on and on and on and on, right? But I also want to say that in letting go of form and it expands it and knows that nothing limits it but our consciousness and ourselves, we must, we must have conviction through our what? No matter what. And we must have faith. And this is the one quote that I hold on to on the days that I'm scared, I'm nervous, I don't think it's going to work. It's my favorite one. He def- Ernest Holmes defines faith a lot of ways. This is my favorite. Faith is a mental attitude which is so convinced of its own idea, which so completely accept it, accepts it that any contradiction is unthinkable and impossible. And I read this to myself all the time. I'm like, then you, I accept it so much that I can't even think about it other than that, and I'm not going to place my attention there. I have faith in my what without form, and I let go of the how. So guess what? I got another what. I did. You don't have to stop your what's without form. I got another what through the pandemic. That photography got really, really passionate, and we started talking. She said, maybe you'll go half time because if you don't pursue this wildlife photography, will you regret it? I said, yes. That was after my dad died. I said, I will regret it. She said, then we're just going to make space. We don't need to know the how. You're just going to do the what. And so my what without form, the next one became, I'm going to travel the world with my camera in my hand. I don't know how. Joseph Campbell tells us that we must be willing to get rid of the life we plan as to have the life that is waiting for us. The old skin has to be shed before the new one can come on. I had to be willing to shed the skin of a senior minister, co-minister, in a beloved community that they were expecting her to leave first, because I'm younger, and I've been doing it less time, you know, for me to stay for years and years and years. And we started talking about me leaving first. And then right there. Spirit Tours, our community been traveling with for 8 to 10 years. We've been taking our community on these incredible tours. And we started saying, when you're ready to retire, we might want to purchase it. I was on sabbatical. He gave me a call because the pandemic caused some things to happen. He said, I'm ready to sell now. I said, we're buying. And I let go of October of 2022, my senior minister position. And I've been doing spirit tours now full time. I travel around the world with my camera in my hand. And I don't care if I sell a picture because it's all paid for. Right? And um, I really, more than anything, want you to grab hold of this anchor. What is it that I want if I let go of form? And then I have two affirmations that I use all the time that ground me. I have on the iPhone, you know, notes. I have a folder. It's called me. It's all about me. And me stands for mental equivalent. It helps me keep a mental equivalent of what I want when I'm down and I'm afraid and stuff is happening. So here's one. I am living in the... Y'all say it with me. 
online, living in the continual expectancy that every great thing in my experience shall be multiplied. Mm-hmm. Take a screenshot, y'all at home, get it on. All right, another one. Ready? Per- no, uh, no, another slide. Here we go. Second one. Thank you, Dr. Andriette. Here we go. Permanent great is mine now. It's established in the mind of God. Never again shall I good be mine. Right? So get you a me folder. And this is the one that I used from Ernest Holmes. I adapted it. It's not precisely. Go into the self-help meditation chapter and just pull everything you want out of there and adapt it. This is what I do. So the, the, the last one I'll share if you're a business owner or want to be. Here we go. My business is directed by divine intelligence. The all-knowing mind knows what to do and how to do it. I do not hinder, but let it operate in my affairs. It prospers and directs me and controls my life. My affairs are managed by love and directed by wisdom. They cannot fail to prosper and expand. Yeah, so go for your great. Go for your great. The truth is, if I can do it, anyone can do this. My journey started the same way. And what I know is there's something in someone right now, and they know it, it's gnawing at them. And what I know is your great is here. Because God's great is always present, and that's who we are. It's not two, it's one. And so someone needs a prayer today. And so maybe it's not you. Maybe it's someone in your life that you know already has that dream. That someone in your family or your best friend, and you've been telling them for years, go for your great. Maybe it's your son or your daughter. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world. We need more people living a great life, standing and saying, if I can do it, you can too. And someone needs a prayer today for this, to have the courage, the faith, the conviction to go for their what?